Welcome in to the Fantasy Football Fathers Podcast. Only one of us is an actual father, none of us are priests. My name is James Dreer. I'm joined here by the one, the only, and the only one I'm joined by is Trey Stinky Fingers Jose. What's up? The one and the only, the only one you're joined by that's an actual father. How's it going? Pretty good. He's not a priest yet, but he's working on it. Uh, Tyler Big Herbie Herbach is not here, uh, no longer with us this evening. He didn't die. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he is no longer with us. <laughs> for right now. Uh, but he will be back later this week for the matchup episodes. Um, so. If you're new to the show, hit us up on Twitter at the FF Fathers. This is going to be our waiver wire news injury episode to help you with uh, waiver wire uh, or week number seven. Uh, but we're also going to talk some of the news that's happened lately, pretty much today, um, which has been a lot of news, um, a lot of injury updates, some big injuries out there. And then uh, later in the week, we will have our matchup episodes where we cover every single matchup. So the first episode is typically an early window matchup. Second episode is all the late window games and then uh, our starts of the week as well. So keep an eye out for those. Like, subscribe. I just want to say week eight. Week eight waiver wires. I I titled this wrong. We're doing week eight. I thought I was losing my mind. I'm like, what fucking day is it? What week is it? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, this episode's about week eight for sure. Okay. (sighs) Week eight waivers. Um, First and foremost, the Chicago Bears getting a win tonight against the New England Patriots, trotting out both of their quarterbacks. Seems like it could be the Bailey Zappi show from here on out, but... uh, Either way, the Bears uh, took care of business, finally. Got a win. Yeah, it was nice to see. Uh, Justin Fields was the main runner in this offense, which seems to be the only thing they can do is run the ball. But J- but David Montgomery still got 60 yards and a touchdown, so we're holding steady over here in the old Monty camp. <laughs> yeah, and that's probably still it, uh, that you can start out of Chicago, but maybe brighter days ahead. Probably not, but maybe. Um, Let's get into some of the injuries because there are a lot of them. Uh, First and foremost, uh, Brees Hall, Brees Lightning out for the season with that ACL injury. Um, At first I heard people saying it might be an Achilles, but uh, honestly, thankfully it's not because everyone that's had an Achilles injury has been pretty bad when they return to action. So at least not their former selves. Um, the ACL seems like he could probably get back and still be dominant. Like he has been these last few weeks. And man, he was looking really, really good before he tore his ACL, uh, this week. Yeah. He might be the next Rashad Penny. I'm kidding. That's kind of a wild take, <laughs> but no, he was looking great Hopefully before not. he went down. But yeah, so yeah, Brees Hall's out, which means, the Jets got James Robinson from the Jaguars, and yes. I'm honestly extremely fucking stoked about that. That's a win-win, I think, for ETN managers and James Robinson managers. Um, you know, ETN is now the clear guy in the backfield. There's no more of that 
awkwardness, like, oh, we got to get this other guy some touches. Um, so that's great for ETN managers. And then James Robinson, obviously expected probably to be the top guy there in New York, although I'm sure Michael Carter will be involved. But how much of a split are we going to see? I think at first it's probably going to be a lot of Michael Carter, but James Robinson I still think is the better back. I mean, the first week it might be more Michael Carter, but I don't see it being like that after that. I'm talking like maybe 30, 70, 70 being James Robinson. I loved Michael Carter in the offseason in previous years, but he's really struggled this year. He hasn't had over four yards of carry more than uh, two games. He had more than four yards of carry, but he's never had more than 11 carries. They obviously weren't really liking him with Brees Hall around. And it's a perfect storm because James Robinson, before the Jaguars started using ETN more, he was on fire, you know, getting... You know, more than 17 carries a game, scoring touchdowns, running pretty well, getting at least 14 points a game. I, I think this will be his backfield with Brees Hall out of the picture on the Jets. Just maybe two weeks' time, and I think all we're really going to see is James Robinson. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty obvious how the team feels about Michael Carter at this point. I mean, they wasted zero time in going out and trading for James Robinson and, and making a trade happen. So. Obviously, they feel as if they need more firepower in the backfield with with Brees Hall out. So I think you're right. And they got James Robinson for a fifth round draft pick. I know it's conditional, so maybe if he performs really well, they get a higher pick. Not really sure how that works. I think it's actually a sixth conditional. So if he, I don't know what the terms are, but yeah, if he performs or plays a certain amount, then it'll probably go up. Um, but if he doesn't play that amount, then it stays a six is what I saw. Yeah. So then what you said makes sense. You know, the, the jets, um, well, I guess I'll go off of what you said about the jets. They don't really believe Michael Carter. They went out instantly, got James Robinson and to drive the home point with the Jaguars getting rid of James Robinson for basically nothing. You know, if you're sitting on ETN, you're in a really good position. And if you have James Robinson, you're in a better position than you were yesterday. For sure. A hundred percent. Um, we hope Reese Hall heals quickly and uh, gets back out there and has a big year next year. But, yeah, it's, it sucks to see him go down uh, at this point. Um, DK Metcalf suffered a knee injury, uh, more particularly on his patellar tendon. <laughs> his patellar tendon was injured, and uh, he's likely to miss next week, but it doesn't sound super serious. Uh, so he should be back in a short amount of time maybe just a week. Uh, Marquise Goodwin seems to be the next guy up after scoring two touchdowns on Sunday with Lockett also dealing with the hamstring injury that held him out of practice all last week. Um, he did play, I believe, but yeah, uh, not a not a huge outing. Um, so, yeah, I guess Marquise Goodwin comes up on a waiver wire situation if you're, I guess, in a desperate spot for a, a spot starter because I don't think DK is going to be out too long. Well, yeah, we'll touch on Marquise Goodwin once we get into our waiver wire ads, and I think he'll be really, really important as far as waiver wire ads that go this week. Because like we just said, you know, DK Metcalf, he's out for this week. But it could be even longer. This it, is Nothing is really certain with what's going on, but he's very likely to miss this week. It could be multiple weeks. 
Tyler Lockett still recovering from that hamstring injury, which really opens him up in a good spot in the next couple of weeks with the offense that's been moving the ball pretty well. So Marquise Goodwin could be a nice fill-in for the next week or two, maybe even three weeks. Uh, Mike Williams had a nasty, uh, I don't know if you saw the play, but it looked looked really bad, <laughs> uh, like a Dak, Dak Prescott-ish type injury. But um, we're hearing that it's just a high ankle sprain. So that's, a, that's actually good news. It's nothing broken. Um, so he's expected to miss two to five weeks. Those high ankle sprains are painful. They're hard to come back from right away. So I do expect him to miss some time. That leaves uh, DeAndre Carter and Josh Palmer up next uh, in his absence, uh, especially with Keaton Allen still dealing with that hamstring. He did play, but barely. I think he was more of a, a decoy to mess up the defense's game planning. But um, DeAndre Carter and Josh Palmer, if they're available, could be really large waiver wire ads this week as well. I'm curious which one you would prefer. Just going off like the top of my head, I would prefer Josh Palmer. He is on concussion protocol right now. He didn't play last Sunday, but that means he'll probably play this week, uh, assuming everything goes right. He's already had a few games where he had eight-plus targets, like three games of the year so far out of their six games. And he, it's a bit of a mix, but Josh Palmer has seen games where he's played around 90% of snaps. DeAndre Carter has never played more than 70. So... Yeah, if I'm taking a risk on either of these guys, I would like Josh Palmer to be the guy who fills in for Mike uh, for Mike Williams. He's also yeah. a bigger guy. Yeah, Josh Palmer is definitely the guy I would want. Um, probably less available in leagues, but um, Josh Palmer is definitely the guy I would want first. But if he's gone, I, I still think you can pick up DeAndre Carter. But yeah, Carter's more of a role play type player. Josh Palmer would fill in as that every down receiver um, with Mike Williams out. And especially if Mike and Keenan are out. He, he, I think Josh Palmer is rostered in around 40% of leagues. What we've seen all season is if someone's rostered like Josh Palmer in 31% of leagues on sleeper, basically add about 10, 15% of that. And that'll be a good average for whatever, uh, whatever platform you're on in fantasy. So there's, uh, there's a decent chance he's available. Yeah. Yeah, definitely check to see if he is. Uh, David Njoku was leading Cleveland in the receiving game with seven catches and 71 yards before also suffering from a high ankle sprain. So he's expected to miss two to five weeks as well. Harrison Bryant is the next and only healthy tight end on the Cleveland roster right now. This, I think this one's interesting because David Njoku was a big part of their passing game. And like you said, Harrison Bryant's the only healthy tight end on their roster. I believe their other tight end is in concussion protocol, so you can kind of take that with a grain of salt because their other tight end will be back. Harrison Bryant's the next man up, but I just don't think he'll see the same usage as Njoku because Njoku, you know, it's a very run-heavy game in Cleveland, and Njoku is available. He's capable of being on the field for all those downs and playing 90% of snaps, being there for run blocking and being on the field all the time. I don't know if Harrison Bryant's capable of that. Uh, Ryan Tannehill likely to miss week eight versus Houston. If that is the case, then the rookie Malik Willis would get his first start. Interesting. Uh, I mean, it'll be fun to watch. I don't. I think fantasy wise, 
it just means it's Derrick Henry or bust. There's no one else we're really messing with on, on the Tennessee Titans offense. I don't think anything really changes, but but now I'm interested in watching the Titans game because Malik Willis, yeah. uh, he's he's interesting, especially if you're a dynasty guy. You want to see what's going on with this dude. Oh, for sure. In dynasty, he's rostered most likely, but um, yeah, I mean, I think I think you could if you're struggling at quarterback, you know, pick him up and maybe you have another quarterback you can start this week just to see what happens, but. I don't know. I mean, Ryan Tannehill will probably be the guy when he comes back, but if Malik Willis has a big game and they win, which likely they will against Houston, that's going to put a little it's going to put a little smoke in the air uh, as far as who, who should be starting moving forward at quarterback for this team because Tannehill has not been great. A little smoke up the keister. Yeah. Get that ass on fire. But yeah, definitely. It's definitely like Tannehill doesn't have a huge grasp on this offense. I think even if Willis has a great game, Tannehill's a starter, but it, it does make things questionable moving forward. Uh, Matt Ryan has been benched. <laughs> uh, had a grade two shoulder separation in the loss to Tennessee. Uh, but Sam Ellinger has been announced as the team's starting quarterback moving forward, not just for this week. Um, this is crazy for the season. I mean, apparently, yeah, yeah. This is big news. I mean, Matt Ryan. You know, they paid him all that money, brought him in. This team was supposed to be pretty good on paper. They've been struggling, like some of these other teams that we expected to be decent. Um, I mean, it's not like you're really relying on Ryan Tannehill in fantasy, but this does affect you know, any sort of receiving options in Tennessee, which there aren't really any right now. But, um, yeah, Sam Ellinger is the starting quarterback for the Tennessee Titans. Maybe put some respect on Michael Pittman's name. But, yeah, this definitely throws a wrench in the gears. Colts. Yeah. um, Except for the Titans. The Colts. (laughs) I don't know. It's all good. Either way, we know who Matt Ryan plays for. But, yeah, I mean, it's Michael Pittman and – Alec Pierce has some good games, and so has their other guy, who I'm not thinking of right now. Paris Campbell also has some good games, but with a change at quarterback, I I can only trust Michael Pittman moving forward, and even then, I might even take him out of my lineup just to see what happens this week. Yeah, if you have the luxury to do so, I mean, I'd be looking for pivot options just to see how this offense operates with a new quarterback, but yeah, it's been rough for sure uh, for the Colts. Um, going into some news here, Jim Robinson, we've already covered that he's, uh, been traded to the jets, big, big, big trade there. And, uh, good news fantasy wise for, uh, James Robinson and, uh, ETN managers. Uh, the Patriots seem to have a bit of a quarterback controversy, uh, on their hands, um, as, Old Zappy was playing pretty well during Mac Jones' injury absence. Um, they both split time tonight, and Mac was benched for Zappy before halftime. Do you think this is Zappy's offense moving forward, even though they ended up losing to the Bears? Yeah, that seems to be the case right now. And I know Zappy threw two interceptions also in this game. But, I mean, fantasy-wise, the biggest thing I see out of this, if if Zappi's going to be the quarterback, then that means Jacoby Myers is someone you should really keep an eye on. 
he's gonna be rostered in all your leagues. But if you do have him, it's someone that you it's worthy giving a look at flex wise every week because Zappy obviously likes him, and you know in the past three weeks he's caught two touchdowns from him and he's got a good amount of targets. This past game he only had two targets, but he seems to be Zappy's favorite receiver. So moving forward, I would definitely keep an eye on Jacoby Myers and hope for better things. No doubt. Uh, all right, let's get into the waiver wire ads here for week eight uh, on the waiver wire. Uh, first one, probably, yeah, I, I would say if he's available, he's the number one waiver wire ad, ad across leagues right now. Um, Gus Edwards, the running back for the Baltimore uh, Ravens. I almost said Baltimore Colts. <laughs> it's a throwback. Throwback. Uh, According to this, he's rostered in 38% of leagues. Um, that would be sleepers percentage, correct? Yeah, and like I said before, sleeper percentage is typically lower. Any other leagues add 10 to 15% to the numbers that we're saying, and that's probably the reality of other uh, apps and platforms. Do you mean uh, sleepers usually higher because it's a little bit more competitive? Like they're usually yeah. rostered in more leagues? Uh, no, sleepers is usually lower from the last couple of weeks that we were using fantasy pros for roster percentage. And if you add 10% to 15%, that's usually percentage of rostered in other leagues. Oh, cumulatively. I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so in my opinion, obviously the, the number one waiver wire ad, I think, this week. Um, hopefully you're adding him before the game this week as he, you know, took enough time to go to really get healthy and then uh, came back this week and was automatically their number one running back. Kenyon Drake was a big ad this uh, or last week on waiver wires. Um, and I'm not sure if I was on for that episode, but I, I wasn't too in on Kenyon Drake just because I knew Gus was eventually going to be back. And I think Gus Edwards is obviously a, a better running back and has earned kind of his role in this offense as to be the guy especially if jk is not there so um he looked really good i mean in his first game since 2020 he picked up exactly where he left off 66 yards two touchdowns jk dobbins will be out until week 12 and Kenyon drake uh looked like shit <laughs> uh especially compared to gus uh Kenyon drake only had five yards on 11 carries um Gus is the guy here moving forward, um, at least until JK returns in week 12. I think even when JK returns, it's still Gus's offense. I mean, his touches will be lower when JK comes back, but JK was still struggling. It's not the same JK we saw before his injury. He uh, really just wasn't running the ball very well, didn't have that high yards per carry that he typically has. And Gus Edwards on the opposite end, came back from being gone for two years and looked great. And this is on a snap count. He played 36% of snaps, had 16 touches, 66 yards. I mean, the sky's the limit for him. If he's available in your league, I'll be honest, Like, unless you're in a great position, you need to put a lot of your fab on him, especially at this point in the season. Yeah, I think at this point, I mean, I'd be willing to to spend the rest of what I got um to to go get Gus and I think a lot of people will be doing that um you know he's a he's an automatic start essentially moving forward especially as you know J- 
especially with JK being out, he's, I think an automatic start. And, and like you said, I think even when JK gets back, he's going to have a, a big role in this offense. Um, maybe even being the starting running back because of what you said, just JK hasn't looked like himself returning from his injuries. So, um, yeah, man, Gus, I would be happy to spend it all if I needed a running back desperately, even if not. Oh, dude, the writing's on the wall. It's the Gus bus, and we're all just along for the ride. He's RB1, even when JK comes back. And I would spend all my fab in all the leagues that I'm in, but unfortunately, I, most of my leagues that I'm in, I'm in with you, and you fucking snaked <laughs> him in <laughs> every weird. single league besides the one that I drafted him in. That I did. Um, and hopefully so you all did the touche. same. <laughs> touche. Yeah. The white man, once again, just taking up all <laughs> the land. Taking all the real estate up. I will say this. It is smart to save maybe a dollar or two um, for the playoffs. Um, but other than that, I'd be I'd be willing to spend the rest, if you can, to go get Gus. A dollar? What the fuck are you going to do with a dollar in fab? Well, just because like by the time you get to playoffs, most people have spent all their fab. And so you can... You know, let's say your opponent really needs a certain player off the waiver wire. They have no more fab. If you have a dollar, you can throw a dollar on that player. Make sure you get them so your opponent doesn't. That's a fabulous uh, game plan you got there. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's a smart thing to do because most people do spend their fab before then. and uh, That way you can, uh, you know either help your team or hurt your opponent's team <laughs> in the playoffs when it counts the most. I would die uh, with my fab. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. You're going into the championship game with 100 fab. Just Yeah, just a flex. It. I'll pick up a kicker for fucking $98. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Deontay Foreman, he's rostered in 61% of leagues, so rostered in quite a few leagues. But Christian McCaffrey, as we all know, was traded. Um, it was a mix of Foreman and Chuba Hubbard as we um, kind of thought it would be. But in my opinion, I think Foreman is the better running back. Um, his numbers were better this week, 118 yards total. 60 of those did come on a big run, um, and a lot of his carries were during garbage time. But he does have the ability to bust those big runs and make plays. So. I think um, when we're talking Deontay Foreman or Chuba Hubbard off the waiver wire, I mean, a lot of these guys were picked up right after Christian McCaffrey was traded, so they they might not be available in your league, but I I would still prefer Deontay Foreman. I'm really mixed up on this. I see where you're coming from with it, like everything that you said. And, you know, Deontay Foreman, once Henry went down, he had some really good games towards the end of the year for the Titans last year. And he is the bigger body guy compared to Chuba Hubbard. But I think it's a little telling that, you know, during this last week, Chuba Hubbard got the start. He got a majority of the important carries when the game mattered. And if you take away that 60-yard run from Foreman, which is kind of a fluky thing to do, Hubbard still had the better game. So it's really hard to tell right now. But if we're being honest, Hubbard is the only one that's really available in your league. And if he's available, I'm grabbing him. It does seem like Foreman has the edge, but it really just seems really 50-50 to me right now. 
Yeah, and I, I mean, let's be honest. It's going to be a mix of both these guys moving forward, and it's their their ability to give you nice fantasy outings on a week to week basis is really spotty. Like, it's not going to happen consistently, and so you're going to struggle to start these guys unless you're just in a pinch. So, to me, I don't see a ton of ton of value in adding either one of these guys. Um, unless you're really just desperate for a running back. But, yeah, it's it's going to be a mix of both these guys moving forward. I know it will happen every week, but the, Par- the the Panthers did look really competitive last week against the Buccaneers. might have been fluky. They also have a change of quarterback, change of head coach. I talked about this a little bit last week. Like Things could be a lot different for the Panthers. I know they lost CMC, but moving forward, I mean, it's it really might not be bad to – have one of these guys on your team and rely on them. Yeah, cha- I mean, change of scenery sometimes isn't a bad thing, you know. Um, obviously, Carolina needed to do that. Um, and they beat the Buccaneers, who don't look the same at all. They look completely just in shambles right now in terms of an offense and really as a team as, as, a, as a whole. So, you know, we'll see next week if, if Carolina can continue this um, but it might have been a little bit of that, hey, no one thinks you guys are good enough, you know, go out there and fucking prove it. But can they do it on a week-to-week basis? There's a lot of, I think, extra motivation going into this game this week against the Buccaneers. So we'll see if that uh, if that carries over. That's a good point. Um, Isaiah Pacheco rostered in 59% of leagues. He... Got the start on Sunday for the Kansas City Chiefs, but then had less usage than he was getting when he wasn't the starter, which was kind of odd, but rushed eight times for 43 yards. Meanwhile, uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire had six carries for 32 yards and a touchdown. And McKinnon dominated the receiving work over the previous two with three targets. Um, It's basically a committee with... Pacheco really having the long-term value in this offense. Obviously, they they see something in Pacheco that they don't see in the other guys, and that's why they started him. But I I use the word starter pretty loosely in this offense because all three guys are probably going to be playing every single week. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. As long as Clyde's still hovering around, I'm really worried about Pacheco. He was like an offseason darling. We all like him, especially if you're in a dynasty league. You got him in the draft, probably in like the second round uh, of your rookie draft. But McKinnon, he's the only one really seeing receiving work. And unless Clyde gets hurt, Pacheco really doesn't have that much value to me right now. What we saw last week is basically what we're probably going to see every week. You know, 8 to 12 carries, 40 to 60 yards, nothing fantastic. Unless he scores a touchdown. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's going to be tough to start, I think, any of these guys, really, moving forward. But I still think uh, Isaiah should be rostered um, just in case one of those other guys goes down and opens things up a little bit. But, yeah, it, they're they're a tough start moving forward. So wouldn't be spending a ton of fav on Pacheco, but do roster him if, if you can get him uh, for not an outrageous amount. Uh, Latavius Murray... Rostered in 43% of leagues, he rushed eight times for 24 yards and a touchdown while also catching two of his three targets. 
Gordon did have the majority of the share, rushing 11 times for 33 yards and getting four targets. Uh, but Murray gets the goal line work, which we kind of talked about and assumed would be the case. So, you know, Gordon didn't fumble this week, but if he continues to not be great and lose trust in the offense, then Murray should see more work in this offense moving forward outside of just the goal line work. Yeah, he Latavius Murray is one of the great area running backs right now that I really, really like moving forward. Melvin Gordon, he did have a fumbling problem early in the season, but he hasn't fumbled in the last three weeks. So it seems like he might be getting uh, a little tighter in that area, which is nice for him. But overall, Denver, they struggled to run the ball at all last week. So all their numbers are going to be down. And, and moving forward, I really do like Latavius Murray. It's someone I definitely want to have in my roster right now. It's him, and it's just him and Melvin Gordon. Mike Boone, he actually just got injured. I believe he was put on the IR, if I'm not mistaken. So once again, they yeah. have another running back that they're losing. So Latavius Murray, he just his opportunities continue to increase. Things are looking really good for him right now. Oh, and uh, breaking news: the Broncos are bringing on uh, Marlon Mack. What? You telling me there's the a man, chance? The man, the myth, the legend. Um, Where's the update here? I just lost it. This is one of the few times I'll say this while you're finding that is um, I do wish we do had a sand a soundboard. One of the few times I wish we did because we would play Return of the Mac right now. That would be a fantastic drop for him. It is the yeah. Return of the Mac, baby. Yeah, um, Martha Mac signed with the Broncos from the 49ers practice squad on Monday. Expects to be a part of the team's week eight plans in London. So that shakes things up for your Latavius Murray, obviously for uh, Melvin Gordon. There's another running back now in the mix with Mike Boone out. Is Marlon Mack, in your opinion, worth picking up? I wish I could say yes, but let's just be real. No. And I really don't see him as a threat. And it sounds weird, but I hope to God I'm wrong. I'd love to see that redemption story. <laughs> yeah, he's rostered in just 8% of leagues on sleepers, so widely available. I mean, if you have an extra bench spot and there's no one else that you see yourself getting this week, then sure, you can throw him on the bench, see what happens. But uh, the offense as a whole has, has looked abysmal. Um, another one of these teams that is super underwhelming this, this year, so... Um, yeah, moving on, <laughs> uh, Paris Campbell rostered in 10% of leagues, uh, last two weeks, Campbell has caught 17 of 23 targets for 127 yards and two touchdowns. The buzz has been around the rookie Alec Pierce lately, but Campbell has been producing. There's now a quarterback change, obviously with Matt Ryan being placed on the bench. So. I you know, I, I don't, in my opinion, I don't see a ton of value in adding Paris Campbell. It's not someone I'm really targeting, but what do you think? I agree with you. With the whole quarterback change, I'm definitely hitting the brakes on this offense. But if it's between Paris Campbell and Alec Pierce <clears throat> moving forward with Sam Ellinger as quarterback, I like Paris Campbell over Alec Pierce because Alec Pierce is a 
deep threat, athletic kind of guy. Paris Campbell is a more polished route runner and seems to be more uh, more forgiving, I guess, to a less experienced quarterback. So if there's anyone I see getting the ball, it's Paris Campbell besides Michael Pittman. But we just got to see if they can even move the ball, move the ball once yeah. Ellinger's under center. Yeah, for sure. I mean, either one of those, like when you're talking Pierce or, or Campbell, I don't think any either of them are, are start-worthy next week, you know, with the change. Um, the Colts were throwing the ball a ton. I mean, the, right now on the season, I think they have the second most attempts um, on the year. So there's a lot of opportunity there. But we'll see how the game plan changes with the new quarterback uh, moving forward. Which probably doesn't make either of those guys startable outside of Michael Pittman. Uh, Marquise Goodwin, rostered in 0% of leagues. The wide receiver for the Seattle Seahawks. Goodwin caught two touchdowns on five targets while also getting 67 yards. Um, He's basically on this list because DK Metcalf is likely to miss multiple weeks with that knee injury. And Lockett's still dealing with injuries himself, so this team's going to be looking for other options in the receiving game. And Marquise Goodwin has produced a little bit when given the opportunity. So um, how do you feel about Marquise Goodwin this week and moving forward as as someone that could be a spot starter for you these next couple of weeks? I really like Goodwin, and I think he, he might be one of the like, the best parts of this episode, the fact that he's ro- available in almost every single league and his opportunities all of a sudden are basically to the forefront. DK is going to miss multiple weeks, most likely, and he looks to be like he's their wide receiver too. I wish Tyler Bigger B. Erbach here was here to fill, in, fill us in on the whole wide receiver situation for the Seahawks. But Marcus Goodwin looks like a really, really good pickup to have. You know, the next few weeks, if you're struggling at receiver, it looks like someone you could really pick up and throw in your flex position, and he will most likely help you out. Yeah, and I will say he could be kind of sneaky because I don't think there's a ton of people out there that know who Marquise Goodwin is, and so you're not going to have to spend a ton of fab on him. Uh, it could be a really minimal amount, and you could probably get him uh, with just that minimal amount, even maybe just a $0 claim. So, yeah, I like that see what happens and if you need you know if you're struggling at receiver or your flexes he could be a, a nice high upside flex the next two three weeks marquis could get you some good wins for sure for sure <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a good one Fuck that's you. a good one man it was so good i almost didn't even realize it at first uh, it rolled off the tongue very intellectual just super intelligent uh, Wandell Robinson <laughs> rostered in 44% of leagues. Wandell had six catches, eight targets, 50 yards last week. There really hasn't been a receiver in this offense that you can start confidently. Um, but Wandell's, you know, the targets are there. It's just how much do you trust Daniel Jones to really be effective through the air? If, there, if there's going to be anyone that you start out of this offense, I, I guess it would be Wandale Robinson. There's yeah, besides Saquon, obviously, but that goes yeah. unsaid. Obviously, he's a must-start. And I'll just be completely frank. I don't want Dale. I don't want Wandale. All right? I just I can't do it. And unless I see multiple 300-plus yard performances from Daniel Jones and 
them actually throwing the ball and receivers consistently catching the ball, I don't want it. The fantasy community themselves really like Wandale Robinson, and maybe I'm out of the loop here, but I, I really just don't see it. Yeah, I think it's because he's, he's got a pretty decent athletic profile, and you know he's a rookie, so he still has that rookie shine and upside, that unknown upside. Um, but again, yeah, I mean, it's it's been tough out there. The New York Giants want to run the ball. You know, Daniel Jones isn't the most effective pass thrower, um, clearly, but yeah, I mean, if you got that extra room on your bench, I guess you could start him and or bench him and, you know, um, see, see what happens moving forward. But I have a hard time spending any fab on really any New York wide receiver right now as you should uh greg dolchich the tight end for the broncos rostered in 15 percent of leagues seems to be taking over the tight end position for denver he had six catches for nine off nine targets and 51 yards with ripon at quarterback this might be part of or it might be due to ripon i think he threw the ball like 60 times in their game um, which is a lot of passing attempts. <laughs> I, 46. I know, I know that this um, offense doesn't want to throw the ball that much um, with their backup quarterback. So obviously this offense is struggling um, right now. But if this is the plan moving forward, I mean, Dolchik does have some value there. Nine targets is a lot of targets for a tight end. Yeah. I am uh, still a little hesitant, but even the week before, he had three targets, caught two of them for it, and one of them for a touchdown. He's a decent flyer to put in. Tight end landscape is iffy. Um, David Njoku's out, so maybe if you want to fill in for someone, with, if you had David Njoku. Uh, let me throw you a curveball. Harrison Bryant or Greg Dulcich? Oh, God. Oh, man. <sighs> If I'm having to make that decision, um, just go with your gut. It's tough. <laughs> I guess I would go with Dolchich just because he seems to be the guy still and the number one tight end option on the team. But I mean, yeah, you're just you're you're throwing darts there when deciding between those two guys <laughs> for next week. Yeah, that's a tough question. I did it on purpose. <laughs> I, I agree. Dolchers, though, probably over Brian. Uh, McCole Hardman had a big game, rostered in 28% of leagues. Um, but again, this is Hardman has always been a boomer bust play in fantasy football. And this whole Kansas City receiving team outside of Travis Kelsey is boomer bust this week. And like, that's, you know, what Patrick Mahomes literally told us before the season started that it's going to be a different guy every single week. Um, so it's going to be tough for fantasy managers, but, and that's a hundred percent true right now. You know, Hardman had three touchdowns on six total touches and 60 yards. Kansas city is on by in week eight. You know, there are some people that are going to chase those three touchdowns from McCall Hardman and spend some fab on, on Hardman. And I'm just not going to be one of those people. Yeah. And neither am I, if we haven't learned our lesson by week seven now is that, the only people you can trust in that offense is Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. It's a revolving door at wide receiver who's going to score those points. If you're a risky guy, you want to take that risk, you're more than welcome to do it. I'm not that guy. I'm not going to do it. 
Yeah, I mean, truth is, is, is you're just not going to get consistent play out of any of these receivers. If anyone, it would be Juju, and still even that is not consistent. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't add him. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Cleveland Browns receiver, rostered in 33% of leagues. Uh, in the last four games, Jones has 27 targets, 19 catches, and 266 yards, but no touchdowns. Um, he's definitely involved, but usually not a starting option for fantasy managers. But with David Njoku's injury, do you see an uptick in usage for Donovan Peoples-Jones while Njoku's out? I personally do. You know, the Browns are throwing the ball around 34 times a game. That's a rough estimate. And David Njoku was getting a good amount of those targets out of those 34 times a game, probably getting maybe seven of those targets a game. Now, those are being vacated. Like we touched on a little bit earlier, I don't think Harrison Bryant's really going to be a guy who's going to absorb all those targets. They have to go somewhere else. Amari Cooper is definitely a benefit from that. But, I mean, who else are they really throwing the ball to? And it has to be Donovan Peoples-Jones. Yeah, so if you're looking to add him, I mean, how much fab would you be willing to spend on DPJ? Well, since Njoku's out for, you know, two to five weeks, if you're really in a spot where you want to win some games right now and you're struggling at receiver, honestly, I'd put like 15 20% on people's okay. Jones. It might be kind of high. I think I'm more comfortable with around 15%, 15 bucks or 50% of what you have left. Yeah, uh, I'm. I was thinking more in that five to ten percentage, but that's you know, um, whatever. You know, personal opinion and situation will vary that number. So, well, he has had games where he was more or less force fed the ball, and ha- had some decent games in recent years. Yeah. But it, it's very hit or miss. It's definitely a dart throw, and he does continue to develop. People forget, you know, it's only his third year. And he, he's slowly coming along, and he, he could be very worthy of putting in your flex these next couple of weeks. Uh, Kyron Williams, the running back. Um, oh, my gosh. The running back for the Los Angeles Rams. <laughs> forgot who I was uh, <laughs> talking about there. Uh, he's rostered in 22% of leagues. This is more of a, a long-term play. You know, um, we always kind of talk about adding – especially running backs before they are the number one waiver wire ad, you know, if you can predict that or at least take a shot on those types of guys before they're, you know, the top waiver wire ad, it's super valuable for your team. Um, He could be worth stashing just because acres has obviously not been good. There's rumors of the team wanting to, to try and figure out a trade. Uh, destination for Cam Akers and Henderson also hasn't been great either. And we know that um, McVeigh likes to have options, you know, in that backfield. Um, so if Akers does leave or is permanently benched forever and doesn't see the field anymore, Kyron Williams could see a pretty good amount of opportunity once he's back and, and healthy from that ankle injury. Yeah, this is someone that, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, someone that we did like in the offseason. Yeah, we weren't going bonkers over him. We're like, oh, this guy looks good. 
He's going to the Rams. He's in a good position to eventually thrive. And that is coming to fruition with Cam Akers fading away, Daryl Henderson not performing well. And once he comes off the IR, yeah, I, I'm thinking, like, honestly, if I'm struggling at running back, I'm picking him up, and I'm hoping by like week 12 is someone I can throw into my starting lineup and just really rely on. That's a big reach because the Rams have struggled running the ball. But in this running back landscape, you really got to take your risk with those guys and reach for them and hope that they end up getting a majority carry in backfields and do well. Yeah, for sure. Like like we always say, it's it's about getting these guys before that everyone else, you know, wants to add them to their roster. Um, in order to do that, you have to add guys when it's a little bit murky and you're not sure which way it's going to go, but could break the right way for you and you could have a starting running back at the back end of the fantasy season, which could be huge uh, for managers. Especially if they figure out how to run the ball again, <laughs> which would be nice. Uh, it's got to happen. It's got to yeah. happen. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Robbie Anderson rostered in 32% of leagues, recently traded from Carolina. Um, he could find a nice role in this offense alongside Hollywood Brown or with Hollywood Brown um, sideline into week 12. They do have DeAndre Hopkins back, um, so he'll be playing alongside DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, but as we know, D hop takes a lot of attention from the defense. So this could be a nice little opportunity for Robbie Anderson in these next few weeks to have some fantasy value. I don't know if you're starting him right away, but could be a nice little stash and, and see option. Well, you brought up a good point. Once, you know, Hopkins came back, which a lot of us knew would happen in week seven. Um, he completely soaked up a lot of the targets, a lot of the attention. People like Rondell Moore right now, which is kind of a little bit sideways turn from Robbie Anderson. And it, it doesn't really make sense to me because, you know, Rondell Moore always been inconsistent and he always plays a lot of snaps. And in the three weeks before Hopkins came back, he did have 23 targets in three weeks. The week that Hopkins comes back, he plays the same amount of snaps, gets two targets, catches the ball one time for 31 yards. So I think Rondell Moore kind of fades away in this offense. And with Marquise Hollywood Brown, being out, the only other receiver I'm really looking at besides Hopkins on this team is Robbie Anderson. It's a stretch, but I, I have more faith in Robbie Anderson down the line with uh, with Hollywood Brown out than I do Rondo Moore. Yeah, and I mean, and the play styles are different, right? Like Rondell Moore, the issue with Rondell is he's always been a short yardage guy getting passes that are behind the line of scrimmage or right at the line of scrimmage. Not a ton of you know, downfield stuff. So in order for him to have really big fantasy outings, he has to break some of those plays for big plays. And um, that's always made Rondell Moore just super inconsistent. So Robbie Anderson, more of the downfield type player, more of a deep threat uh, than Rondell for sure. So could have a, a nice role there on the outside opposite DeAndre Hopkins. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Robbie Anderson, if he acclimates this offense and learns the playbook fast before week 12, which means he has four games to capitalize on Hollywood Brown's absence. I wouldn't be surprised if two of those weeks he has double digit performances. I think he'll be worthy of stashing right now and have it on your team. 
I would wait one week if you pick him up to see if he picks up the playbook quick enough and does play a lot of snaps. And if he does, I'm starting him the next week against Seattle, hands down. Week nine. For sure. That's a nice little uh nice little play there. Um so we'll see what happens with that. But that's pretty much it for waiver wire ads uh this week. Not a whole lot, but there are some guys out there to take a look at. So if you have questions that are specific to your roster, your situation, and uh, would like our opinion on it, just shoot us a DM or hit us up on Twitter at the FF Fathers, and we'd be happy to answer those or give you our opinion on what we would do in your situation. So, uh, again, that's at the FF Fathers on Twitter. We appreciate you all listening. Keep an eye out for um, the matchup episodes coming out later this week and our starts of the week. Winter's so, coming. Stack up on your players. <laughs> Winter is coming. Uh, until then, we will uh, catch you guys next time. And uh, again, thanks for listening. And we'll catch you later. Bye. 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 <laughs> Bye.